0: Today we have with us Rob Pritchard, who has been touched with an extrasensory ability since a very young age. He now uses these abilities to help educate, coach, and point people to a brighter future. Rob is sharing with us today a little about our wiring and how to adjust our electrical pathways by using vibration, frequency, and rhythm. He explains that these all help to create more oxygen, healing, and wellness in the body. So I hope you enjoy this discussion. And of course, don't forget to hit that like button and the Karma Hub subscribe button. Thank you so much.
1: We all have the ability to tap in to Mother Earth, to the tree, but we always doubt ourselves. And learning to actually keep a journal of the things that are coming in. And typically when spirit talks to us, it's coming through without a feeling or emotion. It just is. So when you have something like that, write it down. And then see what actually transpires and see if you are correct or how you are off so that you can hone your own intuitive skills and abilities. But we all have them. And it's just by a varying degree of how much we've worked with them, trained with them and been aware of. them. And so even Dr. Asui, when he was working on people in Japan, he found that if he did a healing on somebody, and they had a limiting belief or a coping mechanism that would override the healing, they would be back doing the same thing or in the same pain two days later. And a lot of chiropractors are now bringing in the emotional component and seeing larger healings as well. So it's all frequency, it's all vibration, it's all electricity, and it's all love.
0: So you have, you have a background in uh, psychology. Mm-hmm. You've been a motivational speaker. Um, you're a psychic medium, uh, actually yeah, since yeah. a very young age, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And you practice 32 healing modalities. Uh, um, I've
1: got 32 different certificates.
0: Okay, fair enough. How did you get started in all of this? Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood? You mentioned briefly about, you know, it kind of started with a, a kung fu movie. And I think that's just so fascinating. Um,
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this goes all the way back to the seventies and it was a television show called Kung Fu with David Carradine. And this one particular day, I mean, I loved the show and I loved watching it, but I had been outside running around and I really twisted my ankle. And My mother was talking about taking me to the ER. And I said, I'll be fine. And I sat down and I watched that particular episode. And so within the Sholin uh, temple and everything, it wasn't just about fighting. It was also about learning how to heal. And this one particular segment was about how how to self-heal. And, you know, it's just amazing that I still remember that to this day. But I went and I lied down and I did what he had talked about in the show. But when I lied down, there was a flood of information, you might call it a download. But I actually took all my energy and channeled it into my ankle, put my hands on my ankle and everything. And the next thing I knew, I got up running without any uh, swelling or problems. And my mother was looking at me like I was a complete nut. And then she asked me what I did. And I said, I did what they did on the television show.
0: <laughs> right. Which makes perfect sense, right?
1: And so I was roughly around, I think around eight years old when I did that. And so that was really, that was neat. And I know my daughter actually at the age of eight did her first healing on somebody else. So you might just say that this is kind of something that's being passed along. Um, So in the beginning, and I'm going to back up a little bit with my story. So in the beginning, you know, from a very young age, I did the healing and then also went into the martial arts, and I was receiving messages from my grandmother, who was deceased. And I will never forget the time. It was right about the same age. I was over at my grandfather's house. And this is really where I started to learn a little bit more about the psychic mediumship, but never put it into thought or action. Just it was something I had. But I'm sitting there on the couch getting ready to go to bed because we're staying at my grandfather's house. And I look over at the stairs and I see a complete aberration of this woman standing there. And I'm looking and I'm trying to catch my breath and I'm pointing. My dog is sitting there barking at this woman as well. My mother comes out of the kitchen, puts her arm through the aberration and says, see, there's nothing here. Go to bed. And so much of the time with teaching mediumship, this is a common occurrence. You know, our And this was the
0: age of what would you say?
1: I would probably have to say right around seven or eight. Okay. Uh, So, and within the psychology terms, you know, we always talk about, you know, getting rid of the childhood invisible friend and all that other stuff. But on this side of teaching, I'm like, Oh, go back and find them uh, and learn how to connect with them. So I was connecting with her from a very young age and I continued forward. And I think it was probably about 16 years old where she kept coming to me, bringing me all sorts of messages to deliver to my mom. And this one night she came and she brought me a message and I said, hold on, wait, my mom's starting to think I'm crazy and that I need to be locked up, you know, just you've got to give me something that there's no way possible for me to actually know something that there's no way for me to know it, that I have to have it validated and substantiated by my mom. And then if you give me something like that, I will go ahead and deliver the message. So this started the whole evidential mediumship without any training, just, you know, I was afraid I was going away to a loony bin. But, uh, so that night she gave me a lot of stories about the old farmhouse that my mother grew up in and about uh, her siblings sneaking out and coming back in. And, you know, I still remember the steps that she was talking about that would squeak in certain areas and, and the door and all this other stuff. And I went down the following morning and, brought this information to my mom and her mouth dropped and she looked at me like, how do you know this? I said, well, is this correct? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, I was talking to your mother last night. Did you know, she
0: embrace I think, it or.
1: I, I think she still looked at me like I was a nut. Uh, okay. Honestly, just kind of like, okay. um, I, I'll take that.
0: And well, it's a hard pill to swallow for sure.
1: It, it really is. Uh, but she went into really working a lot with angels and Alternative healing uh, modalities towards end of end of her life, so it all comes full circle.
0: So you were introduced to Reiki. I remember you saying the other day when we chatted that um, when you were introduced to Reiki, you're like, "I I know this. I know this energy. It reminds me of chi from you know the martial arts studies." Correct uh, is is it the same? Does it feel the same? Does it, or, or, or there, are there differences? I mean, I know it's a form of energy, but you know, I I can actually um, at times tell the difference between like one modality and another modality Mm -hmm. of energy medicine. Right. Um, What did it feel like to you? Like, what were you thinking when you came across Reiki?
1: So what I was thinking while I was sitting on the table was, this is energy. This is chi. You know, and it's the same energy that I would use to break things, put my hands through boards and cinder blocks, you know, learning martial arts. And one of the things that time-lapse photography has shown us is the stronger your chi is, the further away whatever it is that you're going to break actually breaks. And that's how... Is that right? Is that right? Really? Yeah. So if you find like time-lapse photography of somebody breaking something, you will actually see that it actually breaks before the hand actually hits it. And one of the things that I was really, uh, as a young teacher, uh, because as you get to a certain belt, you also have to teach. And it was always amazing to me how the little kids, when they broke their first board, and back in my day we used real boards, not these breakaway things, but they would always complain about the splinters being in the back in the back of their hand, but not the front. And mm. it then it was explained to me, go watch some time-lapse photography. And I did. And so the larger somebody's cheat is, the further away that board or cinder block or whatever they're or ice that they're breaking actually breaks. So it's all about building this energy and actually launching it through something. Whereas, depending upon what you're breaking, if it's a simple board, we're taught to focus two and a half inches behind that object. So we don't see the plane of the object, we see the plane behind the object. So, yeah, that's what's really neat about the chi. and while. I was sitting there, I was like, I know this energy. This is Chi. So if you take Reiki, and Qi is the same thing as Chi. Qi is the Japanese, Chi is the Chinese. But um, Reiki actually breaks down to universal life force energy. So this is the energy that's all around us. And if you go back to Tesla's model of energy, we would not have had to have had all these cords and wires going to charge everything. He was using this universal life force energy. And so the current would not have quote unquote been controlled by a government or a business. It was out there. Once you were able to harness it, it was there. And so when you look at this and say, okay, so here's the universal life force energy, here's this energy. And within Reiki, we are taught how to channel this universal life force energy through us and deliver it to somebody else. Just like when I'm breaking something, I'm pulling from my uh, solar plexus and my sacral chakra to pull that energy up and out. But with Reiki, we're usually going down to Mother Earth or to Father God or Father Sky and bringing that energy in. Some people can do it simultaneously and then bring it out. And what has been found is that when we use our own Chi or Ki, or some will say Prana, it can be quite depleting because we only have so much of it. So by going out and tapping into the ethers of the universe, we can pull this through. And it actually repowers us while we're working on somebody. And so I was sitting there just going, okay, I know this. And from that point on, I was like, I need to come back and I need to learn.
0: Great. And you had mentioned something about the different stages of uh, energy flow.
1: Yeah. So um, when I like to look at it as when we're teaching somebody how to connect in. So, if we think of it as universal life force energy or unconditional love or electricity, a lot of people have had the experience of running over to a child that has a boo-boo and putting their hands on it, blowing on it, giving it a kiss, that is the unconditional love. And then the child runs off like nothing happened. That is the essence of Reiki. It's that unconditional love and that universal energy and we're pulling it through. And we don't have control over just like a lot of people don't have control over mediumship in the beginning. It's all about, did it show up? Oh yeah, it did. Let me deliver the message. Is somebody hurt? Let me actually just deliver healing because we step outside of ourselves in the egoic part of ourselves to just be there to help in a loving way. So Reiki is learning about how to turn it on, even with somebody that you're not matching up with to go in To that heart space and that unconditional love and deliver it and i like to refer to this as actually learning how to turn on the spigot so when you're learning how to turn it on the first couple of times you might get a couple of drips and then the energy will start to flow and get more fluent well as you learn to develop within reiki you will actually go from the little spigot uh, to the outside to the hose to the fireman's hose to where it really becomes cascading like a water fountain or a waterfall, I should say. But then at that same point in time, you also have to learn how to govern over how much energy you're putting into somebody because they may or may not be used to actually receiving that much energy. And the energy as it's going through, if you think of it, the way I like to look at it is if you think of the meridian lines, which goes into acupuncture and acupressure and everything. And we've got these different It goes from zero to five and the energy flows through the body. So think about, you know, your blood vessels and all the blood vessels carrying all this oxygen and everything. Your meridian lines are carrying all the energy, these flows of energy. And what I like to talk about is within Reiki, we're actually sending energy through these different meridian lines. And they're kind of like a river. And so if you have had emotional attachment or a trauma, or we like to call it issues in the tissues, we like to harbor everything within our body. And we like to put it in different places. You can look at Louise Hayes. She talks a lot about this within Heal Thyself in different areas. But we like to throw this into what I would call the river of the meridian line. And it's kind of like we're sticking a huge boulder in the middle of a river. And within Reiki, we're sending energy down the flow. And when it actually starts to hit, it starts to vibrate and chip away at that. But then some of us have the ability to cross over and use our Chi or Ki or Prana energy to remove that boulder. It's going to create the water flow or the energy flow to continue down. Well, typically what happens with somebody is while we're working on this, they'll have visualizations of things in their past, their traumas, the issues that they're harboring there that they don't want to let go of. And so this is where I tell all my clients, do not go into it, do not try to understand it, do not try to rationalize it. Because if you do, you will use your same emotional intelligence and your coping technique techniques to re it. It might not be there, it might be further downstream. So if you think about it, now let's cross back over into electricity. And let's talk about what electricity does. And let's talk about the universal consciousness and this life force energy. And let's say, okay, unconditional love, we're all a magnetic field. We're all energies. So this energy is flowing through. And I think it was about 15 years ago, they did a study on a Tibetan monk that was really gifted and they put him in a completely black brass room. Uh, and they sat him on a brass chair and they soldered a light bulb onto the wall. And when he turned on his energy, the light bulb came on, which actually just says, okay, this is electricity. So let's also talk about going over and seeing um, your physical therapist and having a STEM machine. What does a STEM machine do? It's electricity. It's putting this energy into the area, into the issues in the tissue, and what is it doing? It's making everything vibrate, move around. When yeah, there's
0: a lot of devices that hospitals use mm-hmm. that uh, are, are all based around electricity. There's now some devices that can see really subtle energies like the, the auric field. Um, and so we're starting, science is starting to catch up to maybe some of the healers, might, some might say. And yeah. you can um, quantify this power that's emitting from these hands of these healers, and I just think that is is also cool. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. That's actually how I got onto this, where I am now, the spiritual okay. train or a healing train. Um, but one of the events I went to, there was this guy. Um, I guess it was the second time I went back after I was opened up to um, energy work, uh, mm-hmm. you know, including Reiki. And, um, so this guy named Zach, I was talking to him about it, and still you know, extremely fascinated by the whole topic, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm a Reiki master. I can give you a little energy if you'd like." And it was quite amazing. I mean, it, it, it's exactly how you described it. It felt like a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just cruising through me. I, an experience like I've never experienced before. It was just flowing through me. now, you know, everybody's energy is a little different. So you're going to feel energy and Reiki from different people in a different way. That's my understanding. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my energy was just really aligned with this guy or if I just really needed the energy or what was going on. Um, because I get Reiki a lot. I give Reiki a, a fair amount. And to date, I don't know if I've ever experienced like the waterfall flow like i experienced at that event so Mm -hmm. um after that happened i was you know completely blown away and i guess it was a day or so later i went looking for this guy and i was like this is a really strange question but dude that was absolutely amazing can you can you do that for me again (laughs) so so he kind of like paired off and went off in this room and then he gave me a reiki again and it was just like wow i mean how is this even possible but um Yeah. It was like energy, electricity, just cruising through my body Mm -hmm. like a waterfall. It was so potent. It it was a little, little over the top. Like I I felt like I had to hold on, (laughs) you know, Uh, usually it's kind of mild and relaxing. And this was not, this was like a freight train rolling through me. And uh, again, I don't know exactly why, in that time, it felt like that, you know, again, maybe I just really, really needed it mm-hmm. or the stars were aligned or whatever, but, um, you know, but it was really cool to experience. Um, you know, on another note, I was giving Reiki to actually a nurse um, and she wasn't terribly open to it. And, you know, I started sending her Reiki and this is the first time that I felt like I wasn't able to send Reiki. Like, I felt it trickle through. Mm -hmm. And then after five minutes or so, I felt a little bit more. And then it really started flowing. Maybe after 10, 15 minutes, it took a while. Usually, you know, I can kind of sink right into it. But in this case, it did not. Um, And I, you know, knew she wasn't terribly open to it. but after 15 minutes, I really started flowing. And then a few minutes after that, she texted me uh, because she had um, a headache or I forget exactly what it was, but she had some pains in her body. Um, And, but it was really an amazing uh, response because she said, look, I, I, I could feel what you're doing. How is that? How are you doing that? That's amazing. I could feel this energy flowing through my body. And uh, of course, now she, Um, is studying Reiki, and she's going to write a paper um, as a part of her um, medical studies Mm -hmm. about energy medicine. Um, And it's just, it's really neat to be able to open people's eyes to uh, to this practice.
1: You know, it's one of the things, you know, my uh, master for Reiki, she put a challenge out there. And up until that point, I was the only one that took it. And that was to work on 20 people before I became a Reiki master, before I went to that next level. I actually did 40 people. But the one thing that I found is that everybody's energy is unique. It's all the same, but it's still unique. And some people we have a harder time matching up with. And so I took it as a challenge of being able to match my energy level up with whoever came in. So it might just have been that your energies weren't meshing right away. And then we have to really get out of our mind to actually think it's not working and just let it continue to flow. The universe will take over. And that's when everything really starts to move. And one of the things that I tell my students is some of the best healings that I've ever done. I didn't think anything was going on. I'm sitting there thinking I'm not feeling anything. I'm usually feeling all this. And then they stand up from the table crying and talking about the pain that they had been. It's no longer there. And so the egoic state still plays with us all. And it's really interesting to just say, okay, I know that I'm energy. I know that there's energy all around me. And they are receiving whatever it is that they need at this moment in time for the healing that they're going to get. And I've done 32 healings in one day at pathways and each one was unique in itself
0: very interesting okay
1: they never really you know it might have been a similar session later on in the day but it never it was always different it was like okay here we go here's a different one uh so it's just getting into that energetic flow and just allowing yourself whereas i also a lot of times when i'm doing pathways or something if i'm doing reiki people are like how are you talking to everybody i'm like I get out of my own way. Once that energy flow is flowing, it's kind of like priming that old water pump. You know, and Zig Ziglar likes to talk about it a good bit and about, you know, you have to put a little bit of water into it and you you click on it, you click on it, you click on it, you feel like it's never happening. And then all of a sudden the water starts to flow. It's about getting over that hump and just letting it happen. And Deepak Choker will talk about within meditation, some of the best times to meditate is the times where you're struggling because that's where you're building the skill and the technique. And so yeah. on the easy day, it just happens.
0: Right. I pulled a little information here I thought was pretty interesting. Um, <clears throat> and it talks about the electricity that passes in the body and the speed in which it does that. Um, and I'll just read this out. It says, while electricity and wires tra- um, travels at a speed of light around 300,000 kilometers per second, signals are carried around our bodies at a leisurely 0.8 kilometers per second, or about uh, 2,900 kilometers per hour. So the reason is that while electricity we use at home relies on electrons, subatomic particles, which carry electrical charge, the electricity in our bodies is carried by a larger, more complex charge of atoms or ions, which are found in salts such as sodium chloride. So it's it's just really interesting that they even have, I guess, in some way docu- documented the speed in which mm-hmm. electric passes through the body, and then it's more of a chemical passing versus an atomic passing
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a subatomic particle passing. Um I don't know I just thought that was kind of cool
1: well let's talk about electricity and let's talk about wires um, that are actually all through our house there's a wire that comes into our house that is a big gauge that's carrying all the electricity and by the time we get to the wall socket it's a 14 gauge it's smaller right. and then by the time we get to our light or the connection for our phone it's even smaller so What happens a lot of times in older homes is we've got to go back through and replace the receptacles and check the wires because electricity is a vibration. It's a frequency. And as it goes through, it wears down everything around it and the wires will start to come apart and the connection can arc. But the same thing is true within our body. So as we're stimulating the body with this universal life force energy, Think of your body as having all these meridian lines and all these cells. It's stimulating and it starts everything to move. When it starts everything to move, it then gets hot. And so I like to tease everybody is it my hands that are hot or is it you that's hot receiving the energy? And if you have a place where you actually have energy that's collapsed, an issue in the tissues. And that all that energy, that ball of energy that I'm sitting in, is getting stuck there. starts to vibrate more. And what it's trying to do is move that energy and break it down. And so I like to tease everybody. You say my hands are hot, but is it just not where, you know, the dis-ease in your body is. And we all know that if we sprain our knee or leg or something like that, we put our hands on it. The body is already sending that energy there and it's already warm to the touch. and and so i love looking at it as electricity and as a frequency and a vibration and when you go into the natural laws the very first law is everything's mental you know but if we go down we've got vibration and so i like to tell everybody that a vibration will create a unique frequency and from the frequency we will create a rhythm within the rhythm we have a habit So we have to really look at the vibration that we're bringing in because we're going to create the frequency and whether it be 21 days or instantaneously, we now have a rhythm that is a habit, but everything around us is a vibration and a frequency. We know this through the natural laws, the hermetic laws, that goes back to Hermites. So a desk, you know, a light bulb, the computer, myself, you, we're all connected and with what you just said about how quick we can send energy from one to the other. I was listening to a gentleman years ago from India and he was talking about a butterfly's wings and the wind that it creates in India will be in America in 24 hours. But really? we actually have the ability to send energy anywhere by just connecting in and using our intent, our intention, and our beautiful imagination. I love uh, Brian Tracy with thinking. That's baby. all
0: you know, instantaneous. Is that, that that would kind of, I guess that whole bypasses whole, the whole electrical theory and goes right into quantum attention, quantum, quantum physics. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In which case, it, it said that. Um, It it all happens instantaneously. It could be across the world and it just happens the moment you create that intent, it'll affect that particular particle that you're trying to adjust or Mm -hmm. change on any level. Um, So that, yeah, so I guess that's somehow weirdly a completely different thing.
1: (laughs) And we can always talk about alchemy, you know? I mean, everything is 99.999% empty. And so if you change a couple of things, a long time ago, I had a business partner that was looking into uh, creating a soft, um, soft ice cream, like uh, truck. And one of the things that came out is that soft ice cream is one chemical away from being plastic. <laughs> you know, okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> Uh, I think I'll stick away, stay away from that.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: so, what are we thinking? What are we creating? And knowing that um, the creation in our mind is actually the stimulus. But I like to tell everybody that the heart communicates with the mind seventy times more frequently than the mind communicates with the heart. And when it comes into creating the frequency and the vibration, the universe thinks off of a vibrational plane. And the vibrations magnetically from the heart trump the mind. And so what I like to tease everybody is your mind's a beautiful thing, so waste it. And what I mean by this is we all have these thoughts going in and out of our head constantly that may or may not have any reason or thought to us. But our mind is always moving, but our heart is steady. And anything that's happened to us, the betrayal, the love, all these emotions are frequency and vibration that are lying in our heart space. But they might also be someplace else within the issues in our tissues. And our mind is the antenna for our heart. And it's kind of like if you go back to the old television sets where you had the rabbit ears and you had the UHF dial to really dial in that picture. That's what our mind does. But where we have Problems within the law of attraction is actually creating a thought, trying to carry it down to our subconscious, to our super subconscious, which is our heart and our soul. So we've always been trying to go this way. But if we actually start from our heart, and then use that UHF dial, which is the antenna, which is our mind, we can move it into place. And the law of attraction works instantaneously. But where we go wrong, is we're trying to adjust our mind and we're not paying attention to it and we're not paying attention to what's in our heart. And we have a thought that coincides with something that's in our heart and we're going, where did this come from? And it came from us. And I like to also tease everybody that we are the co-creator of our own demise. You know, our thoughts become the actions within the frequency and the vibration within the heart. And when that frequency becomes strong enough, it becomes a habit, the habit can be a limiting belief. And so even Dr. Asui, when he was working on people in Japan, he found that if he did a healing on somebody and they had a limiting belief or a coping mechanism that would override the healing, they would be back doing the same thing or in the same pain two days later. And a lot of chiropractors are now bringing in the emotional component and seeing larger healings as well. So it's all frequency. It's all vibration. It's all electricity. And it's all love.
0: Thank you. That that made a lot of sense. Um, is there, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, start wrapping things up?
1: You know, I would just tell everybody, go out and learn Reiki and don't, judge it by one person, you know, judge it by going and seeing a couple of different people. And years ago, I had a student of mine call me up from India and she goes, Rob, my energy stopped working. And I was like, Oh my God, are you dead? And (laughs) she goes, she goes, come on now. And then I realized, okay, she's paying long distance from India, but if your energy stopped working, then you're flatlined. And I was like, okay, so you've been traveling for two months now, right? She goes, yeah. I said, how much self-reiki have you done? She goes, very little. I said, well, I bet you've been eating a different diet. I know that you were vegan before you went, but I'm sure that there's new spices and everything's grown in different areas. So it might be affecting the gut and everything. She goes, yeah. I said, well, what I want you to do is go out and find the guru. I don't care if they say reiki. I don't care what type of energy healing it is. Find the guru that's doing the most amount of work and ask them to give you a jump start. Because when we're doing Reiki on ourselves, sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable. Sometimes we can have these thoughts and these memories coming up and we back off the throttle. We shut down our crown, say, oh, I don't want to go into this. Whereas if you have somebody that's actually been doing a lot of energy work, the flow of the waterfall is going through them. And they're not so much in whether or not this is pleasant or not. They're just following and letting the energy go. And I told her, I said, look, go get this done. And then send me an email or something. But I guarantee you that your energy will be flowing again once we blow everything out. She called me back two days later. She goes, oh, my energy's flowing. And what I believe probably happened with you at the Tony Robbins is that, uh, did you say his name was Eric?
0: I think it was Zach.
1: Zach Zach was sitting there in a room filled with energy and he was encompassing all the energy as a sponge and he was doing a lot of energy work. So anything that was disrupting his energy flow, he already blew out. So not only were you getting his energy and chi, but you were also getting the global energy that he was able to capture around him and send it through that helped him beef up. His that
0: head. makes a lot, a lot of sense. I mean, you know, basically Tony Robbins programs are very much like a, a rock concert for four days long of just very yes. intense. And, and, <clears throat> and one of those philosophies is to keep you in a peak state because mm-hmm. when he says something, he wants you to be in a peak state and you tend to uh, retain information better when you're yes. at a peak state versus maybe at a school desk drooling mm-hmm. on the on the top like like probably I used to do um a- anyway so it, it was a very high electric high intensity event of uh, mm-hmm. which I was soaking up that in uh, uh, that uh, that energy he was soaking up the energy and then when he, when he went to give me Reiki it was kind of like you know like an explosion almost yes. of yeah. So that, that actually makes sense. I've always wondered why that happened. But uh, we were in that environment that was already over the top. And when we did Reiki, it just kind of brought in, you know, even more.
1: I think it was the third day. Uh, I, too, have attended Tony Robbins. And I think it was the third day and really wasn't getting much sleep. You know, it was yes. kind of like boot camp. Uh, but anyhow, but we're sitting there. And so I just kept bringing in Reiki energy and channeling the energy and pulling my energy back up. And I had a buddy of mine that came with us that knew nothing of Reiki. Uh, he was invited by a doctor friend of mine. And he's like, Rob, I don't understand this, but I am keeping my shoulder on yours. Is that okay? I was like, yeah. He goes, what are you doing? When I'm next to you, I am completely energized and awake. But when I move away from you,
0: I it's that's like I good. need
1: to be asleep. I said, oh, I'm just channeling the universal life force energy from all around us into me, bringing my energy up
0: to stay away. You're "You're crazy, dude, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Was Master Co. there when you were there? So Tony Robbins was always, so he's been in the metaphysics for a while. Mm -hmm. But um, he hasn't been very open about metaphysics with his uh, with a lot of his uh, with his participants, his general audience, um, and I mean, he is, but he's not. He he he's very careful to frame his metaphysical endeavors in a very particular way, yes. so that they're um, palatable <laughs> by you know yeah. by his participants, which makes perfect sense. Uh, but it's been really neat to see in recent years he now gets these healers that travel with him, and he has them speak on stage to the regular participants. A lot of these people that he would kind of keep behind the scenes, um, and he would use them, and he would benefit from them, and he would introduce elements of that to his um, program. Now, he's just kind of like, come on out, you know, <laughs> he's, you know, presenting it to everybody. And so he gets the healers out there and he has them do demonstrations. And, and I've heard some amazing things from people that were completely not believers mm-hmm. have experiences with these, you know, these people that are presented by Tony Robbins. Um, what I was getting at with master co is that something that you hit on earlier, that sometimes you don't even feel that you're giving Reiki or giving any sort of energy that was master co's issue. He actually learned at a later age in life to pass energy because his wife had some, something happened with his wife and he could not feel the energy pass from himself to his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but his wife could feel it and his wife was benefiting from it. And so much so that, you know, he kept on keeping on. Right. Yeah. And, uh, now I I believe he could feel it pretty easily these days. He's in tune with it. I mean, he's now um by Tony Robbins' side. So he must he must be pretty good, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um he said for the first couple of years, I think maybe the first like two years, year and a half or so, um, he didn't feel the energy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just think that's cool. So that that gives hope to the, you know, the moments in which, you know, a lot of people out there don't feel it. Doesn't mean it's not working.
1: And that goes for the client as well. I've had clients say, I'm not feeling anything. But then a couple of days later, come back and say, uh, that pain's no longer there. What happened? Hmm. I don't know. It's gone. That's all that matters. Yes. If, if they go into it, they're just going to bring it back. And we see an awful lot of that within our limiting beliefs and within our childhood. Everything that we're doing is created to keep ourselves safe. So to deviate from being safe, and safe is predictability, we like to know what's coming up. I like to say the fear of loss is stronger than the fear of gain. And what I mean by this is what is familiar is stronger than what is unfamiliar. And so we will constantly, when we get into a place of unfamiliarity, move back to being able to predict. And we're going to use the same coping mechanisms that we learned as a child to keep ourselves safe unless somebody teaches us new coping tools like Tony Robbins or myself or you or anybody else. And we start to feel safe. And then we can go into the behavioral model of we start to adjust further and further. But so many of us will actually move from one end of the spectrum to the other, which is also the law of polarity and duality and go from one extreme to the other. So we find ourselves bouncing like a a pinball not really ever getting in alignment with our true self and our soul so if we can actually just say okay i'm only two to five degrees off from of where i need to be i don't need to go 180. let's just create the little adjustments and we can move into it with a little bit more safety and security awesome. i think it was 2014 or 2015 when i saw tony robinson
0: okay
1: and i know that a friend of mine had already done a couple other of his events where she worked and she was at that point in time really shocked because he actually talked about the reiki people in the audience
0: yeah i know if you went up to the next next tier right the the introductory program is uh the power within yeah um And, you know, they do some mindfulness stuff and some meditation and, you know, maybe a little hypnosis, maybe. I don't know how Mm -hmm. you would frame that. Um, But the next program, um, Date with Destiny, they do have and he he frames it as a blessing because that's a little. But, you know, as time, like I said, as time went on, um, he was a little bit more open with everything. And so when I got opened up to all of this energy work, it was very interesting because he would have speakers come and talk to the people in the crew room Mm -hmm. and the people that he was having talk to the crew room um, that particular weekend for whatever time I've crewed a number of times, it was all about subtle energy and demonstration of what can happen when you're um, energized or or, or not, when you're congruent or not, Um, you know, using muscle testing or this one guy, I, he was kind of like a, a magician, anyway, it was pretty amazing. (laughs) But these guys were not presented to the audience. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess he figured the crew members are just a little further down the rabbit hole so they can handle some weirdness, but Mm -hmm. they are not to be presented in front of the regular audience. And that's that's kind of the way it was for a while. But, uh, you know, again, as time has gone on, I think all of this is becoming um, more acceptable. a little more mainstream, um, people are more open to it, or at least more curious to it. And so now those people now present in, you know, as a part of his main program, which is nice to see.
1: Well, we can see that at the Tony Robbins events, and it's all about the synergy and the energy that's being created. And this, we can also take this into the global consciousness. And a lot of people don't know about it, but there was a satellite that was put up years ago that was meant to govern over whatever electricity and stuff that was happening on Earth. But before 9-11, there was a huge spike um, over top of New York and they didn't know what it was. And then 9-11 happened and everything was demolished. And then there were a couple of things like that across the world, and they started to believe that this was a doomsday thing. And then it wasn't until the miners that were trapped in Chile were about to be found, that same satellite pinned the same place on the earth. And what they came out and said is it was actually uh, governing over global consciousness. And so there's so much that we're aware and not aware of, but when our minds come together, we can create change. And the satellite was actually saying, okay, here's a lot of consciousness flowing to these miners. And then they were found. And they've started to govern things a lot like that from the satellite to say, okay, what is the global consciousness predicting now? There is also, um, if you remember the typhoon that happened, I don't know, five years ago, seven years ago, that I forget which island it was. But one of the things that came out of that was all the animals that were tied up died but all the animals that were roaming free had left and ran up to the hills before the typhoon ever hit without the weatherman ever reporting it right and so we're all animals we all have the ability to tap in to mother earth to the tree but we always doubt ourselves And learning to actually keep a journal of the things that are coming in. And typically when spirit talks to us, it's coming through without a feeling or emotion. It just is. So when you have something like that, write it down. And then see what actually transpires and see if you are correct or how you are off. So that you can hone your own intuitive skills and abilities. But we all have them. And it's just by a varying degree of how much we've worked with them, trained with them and been aware of.